Hello and welcome to Cinema 7. Today, I am your host. I am Chris Hawk. To my left, Mara Bakari. Hey, what's up? To the center, John Kenoki. Hey, Mario, you're in my seat. <laughs> okay, hold on. Sorry, let me move. Thanks. Okay, there you go. Today, we are reviewing Kingsman, The Golden Circle. But before then, we got some news. News, 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 news. News, 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 news. So I think the most famous news that we have to hit off right off the bat is the return of Wolverine to Marvel Comics. Mario, can you tell us why this is the most amazing thing to ever happen to Marvel Comics? Well, um, Chris Rock already knows this, but I don't think this is the most amazing thing to happen to Marvel (laughs) Comics or comics, period. Uh, Technically, in my opinion, he never left because uh, Old Man Logan has always been um, written right after the death of Wolverine anyway. So, and they're technically the same character. I mean, even if Old Man Logan, like Chris Hawk has said, is in another <laughs> um, universe or alter, alternate universe, he's still technically Wolverine. Wolverine and Logan are the same person. So, I mean, they didn't not stop writing the character. They just found an alternative. So, them bringing back the Wolverine with the mask and stuff doesn't really excite me because, like I said, he was already there. John? thoughts well let me start by saying that um maybe this is a prelude to marvel getting the rights to x-men and hugh jackman reprising his role as wolverine (laughs) in a new universe he's back he's coming back he's gonna come back in the movies uh i don't know about that i think they're gonna recast him as tom hardy and dark phoenix okay it's gonna happen (laughs) But yeah, and then then Marvel will get the rights and be like, "That was a dumb idea. Let me pay, let's play pay Hugh Jackman all this money. He'll come back. He'll do it. That's that's who he is. That's who he is." Chris, Hall. I, I'm I'm interested. I uh, I definitely have missed the character because for me, I feel like he was becoming the worst part about comics because he was in literally almost half of Marvel's Marvel's run of comics about four years ago. He was in Avengers, he was in New Avengers, he was in Dark Avengers, he was in X-Men, he was in, like, X-Force, he was in X-Factor, I mean, literally... He was in Miss Marvel, the new one. He was in Miss Marvel, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, just literally, he was in... I don't know how he does it, I don't know how he... He must have good scheduling, because he was literally on every team in Marvel's runs. They're all alternate universe Wolverines. No, no. But... He's coming back with an Infinity Stone, which is interesting. And, you know, this, maybe this time, if they do it right, if they don't shoehorn him into everything, which they already have done with Old Man Logan and Laura, let's just hope that maybe this could be a good step in the direction for, you know, Logan. Do we, do we think that this uh, Infinity Stone thing is just them going to try to cash in on the fact that the movies are coming out and people are like, oh, I've Infinity Stones, I know what those are. Yes. Yes. Um, well, after, it, it depends because the Infinity Stones have always been a part of the Marvel Universe and they usually don't use them unless Thanos is involved. 
So maybe this is their new way of, because usually the Illuminati holds on to the Infinity Stones before, this is before Secret Wars. The Illuminati, Illuminati holds on to each one of the stones except for uh, uh, Captain America because Captain America doesn't, he doesn't believe in the stuff they do. He doesn't like well, it. It's, it's pretty convenient timing if you think about it. It's just, uh, you know, hashtag Marvel conspiracy. <laughs> well, I mean, after Marvel Now, when they did the whole secret or battle world thing, it, it seems like they were rebooting everything, like Planet Hulk, Old Man Logan. They were kind of rebooting all the old... I mean, they did Civil War Two after Captain America's Civil War came out, and I, I didn't read that. John, did you read that? I read a little bit of it. I couldn't get behind the teams. They were too off the wall for me. It wasn't as iconic as the first one. just didn't interest me. I feel like that's what they're doing now. I, 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 I mean, they stopped doing Fantastic Four just because the Marvel, the movies are unsuccessful, unsuccessful. So I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're going off of the movies. And, and since, you know, Wolverine is kind of done in 20th Century Fox, maybe this is their way of taking the character back like uh john said in a way can we just get fantastic four back to marvel please Please. what if chris hawk that wolverine coming back with infinity stone he forms he forms a fantastic four would you read that it's all four wolverines from different universes it's 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 old (laughs) what it is it's it's old man logan it's old man logan wolverine laura and then wolverine's son that's the new fantastic four deadpool no, 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 Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool. No. no. So that's that. Uh, so Daniel Craig has recently talked to some peoples and has said that who he wants to direct the next James Bond movie, which would be James Bond 25. He wants Dennis Villanueva, the director of Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival, and the new Blade Runner movie, 2049. And I think this is a fantastic idea. I want to know what John thinks about this. Has he ever worked with him? What? Sometimes I wonder with these actors that want specific directors, is it is it just about the popularity? Is it they've worked with people before? Or is it, like, is there some deeper hidden thing behind it? Because, you know, a lot of people make I those requests. I have to imagine that when they get together at these Emmy parties or Academy Award parties, that they get to mingle with each other. And then they they learn about... Or I guess they just mingle and they just become friends and then they're like, you know what, I want to work with that guy next. Well, maybe they should invite me to these parties so I can, uh, I can write some of their plots. Cause... I mean, he'll write it right there in the kitchen on some paper towels. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it right there on uh, the bar napkins. John's one of the <laughs> fastest writers we know. Yes. Yeah. Mario, what do you think? Um, I think that'd be cool. I, th- I, I like Sicario. I, I, like I totally the, forgot uh, to mention Sicario. I like the tone of Sicario. I liked Arrival. Not as I didn't like it as much as Chris Hawk did, but you know I thought it was really good. I like his the tone he presents. I think it would fit more the that Skyfall type of tone. Maybe that's why Daniel Craig kind of wants him. But I don't know. I I just want a new Bond altogether. I'm, I'm t- Daniel. The there's been you know two bad Daniel Craig James Bond movies and I think people are kind of tired of Daniel Craig as Bond at least I am I I mean there's no bad James Bond movies they're just slightly okay so what about um what do you call it Chris Hawk uh Spectre <sighs> disappointing <laughs> but not, but it's not bad it's just disappointing Quantum of Solace it's a if you watch 
Casino Royale and Quantum de Souls together, it's like one giant movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens. It's just exciting. Sam Mendes has he has done good and he's done okay things for James Bond. And maybe it's time to pass the torch on to someone else. And then hopefully this will be the last movie for Daniel Craig. It the rumblings are there. Spectre was supposed to be the last one. Now it's this one. Let's just hope for a new younger James Bond. Maybe maybe a a a black James Bond or maybe a female James Bond, something different. They probably won't go female. That's that's probably not going to happen, but they could do like a black James Bond next. Janet Bond. Jan- <laughs> you know how amazing that is? That's pretty, ama- <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. But I mean, we've already seen that they're doing that millions of um, spy, female spy movies with uh, Red Sparrow, Comic Blonde. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Maze Runner 3, The Death Cure. Sounds uh the trailer for that was pretty intense, I gotta say, for a minute long trailer. I still don't know what's going on. I to me, just to me it honestly looked like the uh we're just showing stuff from the first movie and then the second movie and then or glimpses of it, and then they kind of were like showing a little bit of what the new one would be. And you know the whole train thing and the car chase on the train kind of reminds me of uh, kind of looks like that one scene in Logan, and then or kind of something out of Mad Max in a way. I wonder if they're trying to capitalize off of Logan's uh, whole you know take on a kind of near future and you know the whole Mad Max apocalyptic post apocalyptic thing. At least that's what it looks like to me. I mean, I, I loved the first one when I went yeah. to go see it. Like, I think we all enjoyed the first one, right? Yeah. Like when me and John went to go see it, I think we were surprised because we, like, we had no idea what the whole what, what it was about. <laughs> like we were just like, let's go. I think we were bored and we were just like, let's go see Maze Runner. And then, you know, we were like, wow, that was awesome. And then, you know, we made a big deal out of seeing the second one. And then we, you know, the second one was kind of, you know, was mediocre. And, I just hope this one, you know, finishes it off strong and and isn't like just a rush through the plot and who the heck knows? I don't know. That that's I don't know. That's me. But I watched the trailer in in uh, you know Dutch. So, <laughs> so I don't know why you do that. It's really weird. But I uh, I mean, it, it is a a post apocalyptic setting. That's what the books are. You know, like an alternate universe and a young adult novel. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of complaints that they, they went away heavily from the books, and that's why they're not as good as they could have been. But I, the one thing I will say about the trailer, even though it's kind of confusing what's going on, is at least it doesn't show you too much. I'm pretty positive we're going to get another trailer that like shows you half the plot, like you know the typical trailers we get nowadays, but at least that one doesn't. It gives you a lot of like catching up and then like a little glimpse, which is you know what trailers really should be, but... You know, in this case, it's not something we're too excited about. So, is are you guys getting tired of the post-apocalyptic war, uh, uh, world where it's it's bad everywhere except for like one good place? Just like in in uh, Divergent, every place is bad except for one place where it's like the holy grail of places. And then you got in Hunger Games, every place is bad. All the districts are bad except for the first district, except for the Golden City, whatever it is. And then you got the Death Cure, which looks like. Every other place, the maces are bad. The scorch, 
Earth is bad, and then you get to the city, which is it looks great, and you have to get inside the city. I'm getting I'm getting kind of tired of it. That's just cool. those young adult novels, I guess, that all have the same theme. Uh, well, it's and if you look at, um, it's really interesting if you look at like movie history in terms of uh, genres and like the different movies that were made at the time. A lot of the fantasy movies center on uh, people's fears, like during the Cold War and everything. And it's one of those things that you know, like people are are interested in this dystopian future because it could be a real possibility with global warming or you know, like nuclear attacks and stuff. So as that gets more and more prevalent, we're just going to get more and more of this because that's what people have on their minds. So they like to enjoy the, uh, you know, the the fantasy of that. Will you guys agree with me that no more zombies? Zombies yeah. are pretty much done. You know, they they need a long break, and then we need like a super serious zombie movie. We need a zombie western movie. That's what we need. Train to Busan, man. I think that was the last good zombie movie I've seen in a while. Still on my list. So let's get to our most important, actually our most important bit of the news. And I think it's John's favorite news. The Avatar, the next four Avatar movies are now in production with a budget total of $1 billion. I I am so excited to see Jake Sully again. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just tell you. And I, I hope we see other tribes in their different colors. I just, I you cannot know, believe he's making four movies. <laughs> well, he can. Oh, jeez. Do you, do you remember the uh, snake thing from Primal Rage, the the fighting game with the with the monster animals or whatever? Yes. Yes. Well, I was looking up videos and stuff the other day on um, something on Primal Rage because you know I was feeling nostalgic and. The same, it almost has the same skin tone as the uh, Avatar people. (laughs) I was like, oh, Avatar, Primal Rage. What's the likelihood that if the second Avatar movie seriously bombs, that they go ahead with 3-4? Very likely. No, they're still going to make them. Because I I guarantee you the second movie will not bomb. There's no way. Even if it's a bad movie, it'll still make a ton of money. It's the anticipation of waiting so long. They're going to go see it. I mean, they might be disappointed afterwards, but if it makes tons of money, you know, like John said, they're still going to make the other ones. You guys got to rewatch the first one and let me know what you think. I recently did. It's not that great. It's really not that great, really. John, was I, there a firm goalie too? Yeah, yes, there was. There was. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just get ready for that in two years. <laughs> Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World. What? Hey, hey that's all right. <laughs> I said I think that's I think that's all avatar bashing we're going to have right now. Um we're going to get into our general thoughts of The Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Welcome to the main event. So, in The Kingsman: The Golden Circle, we have a drug lord who is named Poppy, Julianne Moore, and she instead of Valentine, Samuel Jackson, who wanted to do a war on global warming and overpopulation this time poppy is having a war on drugs and the kingsmen and also the statesmen have to stop her guys what are your general thoughts for kingsmen the golden circle mario bakari i'm gonna be honest with you straight up i was not a huge fan of this movie i didn't think it was that great besides you know the action scenes i thought the action scenes were definitely my favorite part and they were most they were the most immersive parts of the movie. Um, Julianne Moore as uh, Poppy 
we'll get into it a little later, but I thought she was not that great in this movie. I thought she was a terrible villain. Um, I thought they could have, I don't know. It, it's, it's just like, this one is really far fetched compared to the first one in a way with the whole fifties thing in the random in in the middle of nowhere in, you know, South America or wherever it's at Singapore. Uh, in Cambodia. Cam- yeah. Cambodia, whatever. Um, Wherever it was. Sorry if I offended anybody. But you, offend, you offended everyone. Okay, sorry, everyone from Singapore and uh, South America. But, yeah, I, I, just, was, I just wasn't a fan of this one. I, I, I don't know what else to say without getting into spoilers. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm positive on it. And it's mostly because of the action and some of the, uh, you know, the, the charming scenes with, uh, what's his name from the first one? On Farrell and- or Eggsy or Merlin. Merlin and um, Harry, Harry with Harry and mostly the guys from the original movie is is some of my favorite parts of this movie. But yeah, I I, uh, we'll get more into it, but I I wasn't as high on it as I, uh, you know, as probably Chris Hawk was. John (laughs) Kenoki. Well, it's it's Colin Firth, first of all. Did I say Farrell? Yeah, you did. Oh, my Um, bad. I'll say that I didn't like the Statesman. But everything else I enjoyed, though I would not say the movie is as good as the first one. The first one's definitely better. And without getting any further into spoilers, uh, that's what I'll leave it at. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm definitely a lot higher on the Kingsman, the Golden Circle, than you guys are. Oh, I'm I'm pretty high on it. I just didn't like the Statesman. I actually... Love the Statesman. I um I did love the ridiculous of this movie. I kind of liked how far fetched it got. I did um I think every character does really well in this movie, and except for Harry, which is weird because he was my favorite character in the first one, and we'll get into a reason why he he just didn't click for me in this one. I, I felt this was a good sequel. Um, I don't know if I would say it was better than the first one. Uh, it's it's really hard for me to say because I. I def I definitely like these types of movies that just that do whatever they want to do and they they get, they can get away with it. And that's what I have for my general thoughts and we're going to get directly directly into some so spoilers. Comes the rain. Here comes the rain. The actual rain outside or is it them no. spoilers? It's some spoilers. So we're, no, we're it gonna, is raining outside. <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about the characters and the acting of this movie. And let's let's start off right off the bat with Poppy because she seems like to be a course of action that we're all going to talk about. What did you guys think of Poppy? John, do you want do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I think you should go first. Um, I didn't really I didn't really like Julianne Moore in this movie or as I didn't really like Poppy the character. Um I I, I kind of dig the whole, you know, 50s vibe and you know being really into the character being really into that and the whole like diner thing and greaser thing but it she came off super cheesy and you know as far-fetched as you know the movie is as with some things you know and and being this like with you know get a bunch of weird, you know futuristic gadgets and stuff i just i just could i i was it was cringeworthy for me, her character, and anytime she was in a scene, like especially when she, uh, when you first meet her, and you have the two guys, and the one guy's, you know, being inducted into this golden circle, and I just, I don't know, I, I 
it was just awkward. Like that guy's acting was awkward. Her, her being so cheeky was, uh, just overly done to me. And in a sense that, you know, it wasn't, you know, funny or charismatic or admiring to me. It was just, it was just really cheesy. And yeah, I, that's, that's all I got. That's all I can think about. Uh, I don't know what else I could say. John. So I don't particularly like the character, but I don't hate her. I don't, I mean, I'm on the opposite end. I don't think it's too far-fetched to believe that a, uh, a small compound like that could be made in the middle of uh, Cambodia. You know, it's not really a heavily regulated country, and that's why a lot of people vacation there for partying and stuff. Um, but, I mean, it's not that big. She has a few different buildings, but it, it's really not that big. And if she has that kind of money, because, I mean, she says early on that she's, you know, like controlled the drug trade almost entirely, which which that itself is kind of unbelievable. But I mean, everything else, if you take that into account, I mean, super believable. Um, but I didn't, I don't I, when she's in, I don't really care about her. I mean, I, I understand her, her tone is she's a psychopath, you know, she's like so happy. She's crazy, almost uh, Harley Quinn-esque in terms of how she deals with people. It's like, she's so nice. She's like a psychopath and then she kills you. But I, I really haven't that much of a problem with her, but she didn't really stand out to me. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was a much better villain, but I think that's because of his menacing tone, yet uh, ridiculousness on the side. But I mean, I know I know a lot of people liked her, and I don't think it was her performance. I think it was the character that I didn't like. That, I mean, that's all I have. Yeah, they really don't give her a lot to do this movie. Really, she's behind a desk or a counter most of the movie. And I, I mean, I, I did enjoy her character a lot. I thought, I thought they gave her a lot of work. I mean, a lot of um, she has a lot of energy and she definitely has those crazy eyes. I mean, Julianne Moore, I, when I saw Poppy, I didn't see Julianne Moore anymore. She really delved deep. I think she really took the character and made it her own. And I think she it shows that she had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, a comparison between the two, I would definitely say Valentine was the better villain. But I think he had more screen time and you get you get Eggsy and Valentine, you get more interaction between them two than you do Poppy and anyone else. So I think that's the reason why Valentine is, is a way better villain. I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's why I wasn't drawn to the character is because of the plot, really, maybe. Because, you know, not only did she not have enough going on, but, you know, there was a lot of the plot was focused about them, you know, doing other things before they got to her. And, you know, like you said, she was mainly behind a desk the whole time. But I don't know, for me personally, like her, just how overacted and cheeky the character was is what kind of bothered me with the character. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just, I see, because the movies themselves, you know, are, you know, kind of, you know, comedies in a way and, and far-fetched and not really particularly serious. So I don't want to like try to, you know, try to say it's like this movie should be super serious or something or the character should be super serious but i took samuel jackson's character more serious even though he was goofy if that makes sense in the first one than i did like you know getting behind her as the villain for me personally i i just i it was a little bit of her acting the best part of uh samuel jackson is when he serves the mcdonald's 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's it for the poppy. What do you guys? What did you guys think of the president in this movie and how he's a big detachment from most presidents and most of the movies? I think Bruce Greenwald Greenward makes a. I think he's played a president before, but in this one he plays yeah. a very unhinged president. What did you guys think of him, John? It's um, you know, it's accurate. I uh, I almost wanted them to go with, and I I said this to Jennifer when we were watching it. I wanted them to go with the angle where no matter what happened, he won, where he didn't get arrested at the end. Because if you think about it, people would never have known it wasn't him that saved you know the world, so he could have easily taken credit for it. And I would have think that would have set up like a great villain for the third one. Ooh, that'd have been nice. But they didn't do that. They didn't go that route, so I can't complain. Um, <laughs> I had read that, what Matthew Vaughn had talked to about uh, one of the, I think it's uh, production guys about uh, the current U S president and how he <laughs> might portray him. Cause he, you know, he, he portrayed Obama before uh, in the first one, but oh yeah, I do remember at, that. Okay. At that point he hadn't won, but he was joking. That it was a very real possibility and nobody on his cast was like, man, that's never going to happen. And I mean, look where we are now. They could have had a gold mine right there. Well, I, I heard that, but he definitely did a great job. I heard there were supposed to be uh, Trump references, but they uh, the studio told them to take them out or something. Um, I read that it was their choice to take them out, not the studios. Oh, uh, okay. But they did do that because they didn't want to anger a good majority of people, and I respect that. I think that's a better way to do that. I mean, it's. I mean, even if it's funny, you you want to get as many people to see this movie as possible. So. Yeah, there's no reason to offend half the audience over what they believe. Mario, what do you think of the president? I don't know. I thought it was kind of, it was kind of like another enemy, and I think it kind of, you know, it, it's this, you know, this movie's heavily, you know, English in a way, like it, it's uh, Kingsman, you know, England, United Kingdom, and you know, they kind of come over here, and America's kind of just like the side character in a way, the Americans, the statesmen. So I thought, I thought it was kind of, you know, unique to see America as the uh, not necessarily the villain, but like the show that, you know, I mean, because we always see America as the good guys, you know, so, it you know, to see like another take on America, you know, to be to have America be the bad guys in a way I thought was kind of interesting. I, and, I know, definitely. Yeah, you're right. But I, I think I don't know. It didn't, it didn't. It was fine. It was a it was a nice little narrative to the plot. I think it kind of, you know, it added a little more to it for me. A little more uh, suspense. Like, you didn't. You didn't really know what was going to happen, and you didn't know if people were actually going to die, and it kind of put, it kind of put the characters in danger, and you know if they would save people and stuff like that. I, I liked it; it added to the plot to me. I, I just love it when characters go against the grain of the common sense of what they're supposed to do. Usually, a president's supposed to be at the forefront of the personal harm or defense of their American citizens. So when he goes against that, I think it's it's. It's very interesting, and it, and it raises some eyebrows, and it's, I, I actually enjoyed it because usually that doesn't happen in movies, and the president being the villain usually doesn't happen in real life. If you think about it, um, Julianne Moore, I mean, she's obviously schizophrenic, and um, you know, she's crazy because she's going to you know, kill all these people for taking you know, her drugs, no matter what type of drug it is, but... 
if you think about what they're doing is it, they're 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 not really bad guys in a way well i mean they are because you know like they're threatening people's lives but they're overall what they want to do is improve the world or make certain things better in a way i mean well well, well i guess make you it, can't really legal, say that with drugs but not legalizing heroin or cocaine i would agree with you legalizing marijuana i i that's another story for if we talk about <laughs> yeah. the war on the war on drugs and how well, I mean, like the global warming thing and stuff like that. He he wants to improve the world, but he's doing it in a weird way. And you know, she kind of well. You're, I think you're saying that the the president might be a good guy because he's getting rid of drug users. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't know. You know, it, I I had a good idea with that, and <laughs> and you know, it it, it kind of as I went on with it, it kind of backfired. But <laughs> getting into a but, real uh, political realm there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All I'll say is uh, it's it's very relevant in terms of American politics because American politics is always heavily focused on uh, controlling these substances. It's been a, a heavy focus for, you know, since the 60s about them controlling it. So for a president to, you know, be like, I just ended this war. It's been going on for 50 years. I, I believe it. I can believe that. I remember that what it, I was going to compare it to. I, like how she said that, like, certain things like caffeine people are more addicted to caffeine and sugar is worse than like you know marijuana and stuff and and stuff like that i thought that was a a cool little like um thing she the character added but yeah i'm gonna take back what i said about her being not really being a bad guy because yeah she's a bad guy yeah good (laughs) so i know a lot of people were angered at the fact that a certain character died within 10 minutes of the movie how did you guys feel about roxy dying so fast Mario, it's weird because she was kind of relevant in the first one, and then you know I thought this one maybe she would, uh, you know maybe she would be the one to get with Uggsy or whatever. And it was kind of shocking that they killed her off. I thought maybe she would come back, like she would be alive, and you know maybe they could have saved that for the third movie to kill her off, or maybe they'll bring her back. Who the heck knows? But what. Call, uh, Matthew Vaughn has gone on record saying nobody dies in the Kingsman universe. Yeah, that's <laughs> technically she died. She, technically, she died off screen. So there's there's ways that she could be alive. I mean, people can die getting headshotted. So I just there's. <laughs> I'm more worried what? about Dumbledore dying. Okay, <laughs> when I saw Dumbledore up in there, I was stoked. Oh man! But I I mean I think. They killed her if they killed her for the exact reason you just stated is she's uh, another love interest for Eggsy, and that's not where they want to go. They don't want to make her that. So maybe she'll come back as something different with her own identity and not so heavily tied to him. Because, I mean, I I think that's the real reason. Because there was clearly a dynamic there of they were you know good friends, but were they going to be more? And, you know, that would just conflict with where he's going currently. And then... You'd get anger more, even more people because she's just that character, you know, it falls in love with the main character. So, who was your favorite character, and why was it Channing Tatum, John? Well, it was clearly Channing Tatum because he was in that, uh, the, the, those, like, blue, like, small jumpsuit the whole time. You could see his package. <laughs> it's obvious. Uh, I, if I had to pick a favorite character, I know that's hard. I don't know that I really one in this movie i mean it's it's gotta be merlin just because i really liked him from the first movie and he's exact same in this movie he's pretty great and he's not dead what 
Yeah. What do you, you didn't see him blow up in pieces, did what you? you? What are you Nobody dies. About? He's definitely dead. There's just no way. Wait till my pitch it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, who's your favorite character? Um, it'd have to be between Merlin and uh whiskey. Oh my god. Yes. Thank you, Mario. Thank I you for liked bring- whiskey. Thank you for I bringing hated up that guy. Thank you for bringing up the best character in the entire movie. <laughs> Agent I like whiskey. whiskey, man. Agent Whiskey was the best damn thing about this movie. I don't even care it's, if he, it's the he was the worst part of the movie for me. No, 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 no. You can't tell me that that girl was not instantly just swooshing because of Agent Whiskey. It was both BS. Some brown sugar BS. Brown sugar BS. Did anybody Look. else think that um, Julianne Moore would be would be his uh, girlfriend in that picture? Honestly, I thought Julianne Moore was going to be like a statesman outcast, just like Charlie was like a Kingsman outcast, and that would give them a reason to be so close, because her being, like, I didn't, like, the two guys in the beginning of the movie didn't make any sense to me, because they instantly die within 30 minutes of the movie. I was like, what was the point? Just to show Julianne Moore was crazy? You could have done that other ways, instead of wasting two actors. Yeah. So, may, I was thinking, I was like, you know, what if she got hit in the head, came back with that, that uh, bullet hole gel, and then went nuts, but then they did the whole crazy Harvard grad thing. And All right, let's not talk about it. Let's talk about Agent Whiskey real quick. And how okay. amazing he was. Why did he have to look so much like Burt Reynolds? You mean Jeremy Renner with the mustache? I mean, no, Burt Reynolds. I, Bert, I see Burt Reynolds more than Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Well, I think I just think it has to do with the American image and Burt Reynolds is used to like back in the day. Burt Reynolds was the man's man back in the day. I mean, Cannonball Run, anyone? Come on now. Does anyone see a Smokey and the Bandit remake with this guy? <laughs> Dude, Pedro Pascal is amazing. I don't think there's enough there. There's nothing there literally to suggest he's going to betray them or has any kind of motive yeah. until he smacks it out of their hand. He doesn't have enough driving behind him. And you get really good action scenes with his lasso. But other than that, he doesn't have any depth. There's no character there. He, he flies a jet. He, his <laughs> baby mama, sweetheart from high school, was died killed from, by meth heads. Okay. Killed by meth I got heads. That. Yeah, that's his that's depth, it. John. That's you it. got that later, but I... I think I know just as much about Channing Tatum's <laughs> character, and he was unconscious for 90% of the movie. Hey, when he woke up and danced. <laughs> and those blue underwear. <laughs> I, That's why he's my favorite character. I think I'm, I'm just I am t- I am tired of the double agent thing. It sometimes do, do they not have like a a stricter well, screening well, he wasn't... for being a, I, I I understand I understand. I just I think his I agree with John with I his motivations were very 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 shallow. I would have liked it if he wasn't bad. Because he was easily one of the more enjoyable parts of the movie because he was different than Harry. He was different than Eggsy. He had, he had this type of charm about him. His, his, his combat scenes were absolutely fantastic. And I think he did add a little bit to the movie. It's just his dumb betrayal. Did anybody else feel like throughout the whole narrative that there was going to be a turn or like a twist? Did, do you guys think Halle Berry was bad with the, with the whole Polaroid thing? I thought the whole statesman were going to be bad. I, I kept waiting for it, and then I kept waiting, like Julianne Moore, like I said, to be Whiskey's ex, uh, you know, girlfriend, and went bad, and you know that's why he's protecting her. 
but then you know it wasn't he wasn't really protecting her he was uh he just wanted all drug addicts to die and then i just i kept waiting for some kind of turn and then i thought merlin might be bad like he was the bad guy because they teased it a little bit in the beginning when ugsy questioned him in the destruction of the kingsman building i don't, I don't know. know i just throughout the whole movie i was looking for some kind of turn or twist that was going to happen and whiskey turns but he's not really with julianne Moore. he's just turning because he he hopes that all these drug addicts die was what he thought i think you only feel that you wanted to turn because you had so many unknowns because the statesmen aren't very well explained they're not explained well there's not a lot of depth to the characters jeff jeff bridges doesn't do anything at least uh the leader of the kingsman in the first movie has a lot more scenes where he's involved and you kind of get this idea that he's already ruthless and he's going to do what matters whereas jeff bridges didn't do anything he's like look at our stocks we got money here you go well i mean he's got to run a country too so maybe we just saw the kingsman side we didn't see the statesman side you know that they're going to do a statesman spinoff so then we'll get to see it i'm going to see it and you're going to see it too, John. That's your Han Solo movie. Please, no. <laughs> Do you want to talk about um, that reveal of Harry? The uh, first that you uh, yeah. suggested? How did you guys feel about Harry's revival? I honestly, I, it felt off for the movie. And I think it took away of some of the tension throughout the entire movie. Because, I, I, I mean, you just knew that he wasn't going to die again. I... I honestly felt that it kind of weakened the movie of bringing back Colin Farrell, Colin Firth, and I, I would have liked it to see Eggsy grow on his own with Merlin instead of Harry being there. Or I just—it's it, like the movie took a step back because they couldn't escape their previous movie. What do you guys? Think? I I respectfully disagree. I think. You by bringing him back, you, you do take that risk of doing that. But they give you clear scenes where Exe uh, is in charge, and he's the one that knows what's going on. He's the one in control, and he's the one that's able to take care of the situation. Whereas uh, Harry isn't; he can't do anything because you know he's coming back from this. And yeah, I think I think by bringing him back, you you can show that he's become better than his mentor, that he's huh. lived up to his expectations. Whereas you can't do that if he dies. You just have the typical, this guy trained me and he died. So now I do everything, you know, in his memory. So you kind of move away from that that trope almost. You get a sense of that too, honestly, when he shoots whiskey and, you know, without question. And, you know, Uggsy's sitting there like, why'd you shoot him? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just because you, you think he was trying to stop you, you, you know, you didn't really understand, I guess, the situation. And I mean, I, you don't even if he was right, you didn't have to write to shoot him in the head, I guess. And because, you know, Harry was kind of emotionless in a way. He was just like he was more logical than emotion in a sense. I got in this movie when when he finally became better or got his memory back, I should say. But, you know, I I feel like it could have been something that could have been saved. But, you know, it, it was something they showed in the trailers, you know, that he was going to be back in this movie. And I think that could have been kind of a cool little surprise if they would have kept it secret. But, you know, he's kind of throughout the movie once he gets his memory back. So I guess it would have been hard to hide with the trailers. Matthew Vaughn has even stated that he is pretty furious at the studios releasing the images of Harry being alive in the movie because 
he didn't want that to be revealed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He didn't want oh, that. See, that's he wanted that to be a secret. I mean, I I liked I like his character. I like him being, you know, what's his name's mentor. I think it'll I think it'll kind of come full circle in the third one. I think uh, golden something will be done about it. I mean, with with uh, you know the Merlin character kind of gone, you kind of need that other character to help out. So I think that's what um, Harry's going to do. He's going to take the place of Merlin. How did you guys feel about the pace of this movie? Did you feel at times it was dragging a little bit, or did you feel like it was rushed? Uh, personally, I, I, I thought it was fine. The only thing that bothered me is they, were at, they, were at, they went to so many different locations. They got, got that secret agent money. Yeah, they just, I thought they jumped to too many locations, in my opinion. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with the pacing or, the, uh, or anything. Jones. I I mean I thought it was paced well. I mean towards the end I was kind of like, okay, now I can kind of feel that the movie's going a little long, but I didn't really ever feel it until the end. And I think that's cuz I was ready for the resolution and to move on. Cuz inevitably I knew what was going to happen after Merlin died. I knew Harry wasn't going to die. Uh Eggsy wasn't going to die, so it was like, let's let's speed this up. Let's get it done with. And there was another large yeah, action some scene. Parts where I felt like it they could have shortened it a little bit. But I, I felt it was a, it was a put, well put together movie that it kept my interest throughout the entire time. I, there was maybe one or two parts where I felt it's dragging a little bit. So let's talk about escapism in this movie and how ridiculous it gets sometimes, like the, um, the cavity scene, or just the meat grinder scenes. Do you think it works for this movie and how they basically? did like a Spy Kids 4 and just went crazy with everything. They pushed the boundaries. They they kind of did a lot of things they probably wouldn't have done with the first one. Uh, what do you guys, John, what do you think about the escapism of this movie and how it pushed some of the boundaries that the first one didn't? I mean, I think it was necessary. I mean, the first the first one has a lot of setup to do, so they don't have a lot of time to push that. It's more traditional in the sense, but still, you know, critiquing the spy movie. But spy movies all have ridiculous gadgets. So at this point, they're, you know, making them so ridiculous <laughs> that you, I mean, technically they could be made. There's just no real practical use. Anybody would ever make those things because you can make better things like the briefcase uh, gun shield. You that know, was amazing. I thought it was that of something at a division. I was like, that's the ballistic shield of division. Yeah, I definitely think it was it was something they could do and they definitely took advantage of that. But I mean I didn't think it took away from it. Um I think I said it earlier this one was more off the wall than the other one. Um and like I said I don't I don't I don't want to say that it should have been more serious or anything. So it it took me out a little bit, I think, like like you were saying Spy Kids. It's like if Robert Rodriguez was to direct um a Marvel rated R movie is what it felt like to me. But, you know, I didn't really say this earlier, but I, I do agree with you, Hawk. It, it is a good sequel, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Like, I agree, it's a good sequel to the first movie. I just, I'm kind of, I kind of can compare these two, like Guardians of the Galaxy and this, like where it's not as good as the first one, but it is a good sequel. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, I think I'm finally coming to the head that this movie does it does lack in some spaces but it does push where it needs to be pushed and that's i think that's where it does its best work 
it's when it's being it's so ridiculous it's so out there and i think that's why it was it was so enjoyable for me because i i think i was laughing the most out of anyone in the theater during most of the parts and i i think that's why i enjoyed it so much it it made me laugh and i think that's why the escapism works so much i think the one area the movie fails in and in terms of being a sequel is the world building just because they don't expand on the statesmen, you just get what they are. You don't get anything behind them. Uh, you get a brief snippet of like, oh, the, you know, must have been our guy was, you know, had your guys a tailor back in the day. You don't really get any real expansion upon the secret services. Yeah. Or the societies, which John Wick is a good example of, you know, a sequel expanding on the universe. They go real in depth into the, you know, the, I guess the organizations behind it, you know, the underworld. And the things mm-hmm. that drive what he does. Whereas in this, we get a lot more of the same, you know, action and big plots, but we don't get any world building minus another organization existing, which is great in terms of, you know, thinking what could be out there. But in terms of the statesmen, I think that's just where they fall flat. And that's part of the reason I didn't really enjoy them, is because there's not enough there. Do you think it was weird that they didn't know of each other? I definitely. I don't think so, just because of how super secret they are. Mm. I it, like this this organization is so underground that like nobody knows about it. So why would you want other organizations to know about it and compromise your organization? But that again, I think you need something to explain the foundings there and just how it actually happened, just mm-hmm. to you know concrete the reason they don't know about each other. I so, will say though, and I think sorry. Go ahead, John. I mean Mario. Um, I will say, though, um, and this probably goes into the next subject, uh, the funniest part of the movie to me entirely is the um, Elton John doing the uh, martial arts and kicking some butt. So, Elton John, best cameo ever or worst cameo ever? Well, I'll tell you, if I hadn't known he was in the movie, it would have been great. But his name was on the poster. Was it? I, I had no idea who was in the movie. I looked at the poster and I was like, oh, Elton John's in this movie? Ruined it. I had no idea either he was in it. So it was on the poster. That's what kills me. Like, it ruined the movie. Like, this, this cameo right there. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say it's the best cameo ever. I'm not going to say it's the worst cameo ever. But I think it was too much Elton John, in my opinion. I can, somewhat, I can somewhat agree. It was getting a little bit when they were overusing Elton John jokes. And I was okay. Yeah. I get it. We can we, he, yeah. You know, him, him. I like the dogs were named after you know Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. I like that. That was subtle, but yeah, the in your face ones kind of kind of got a little stale. When he when he started cussing too much, and the shock factor of Elton John cussing wore off, it wasn't as funny as it could have been. Yeah, like it was kind of awkward. Like a lot of stuff in this movie was awkward to me. Like I think. Some of his parts were just awkward to me. Um, like the best parts I thought he was in was, you know, when at the bowling alley, when they beat the dog, him and Harry, they take the bowling balls and smash. I thought that was that was kind of smart to use because, you know, I, I don't know what else you could do after establishing that and, you know, kind of putting Harry in danger there. But I thought that was too much. I liked the funniest part of the whole movie, like I said, was him jumping up in the air and doing that kick and smiling at the camera. And then, um, you know, that part where he swears, I thought was kind of funny, especially when he was like, God, my room. But 
I I still kind of felt like like you said it was kind of like I don't know it was too much and I, I thought it was a little awkward but I, I just thought there's too much Elton John in my opinion John it was already ruined for you wasn't it just that's a very unfortunate because he was he was so great yep. in the first it was it was just you know well, there was no shock value of it and I tell you like if you if you go to AMC you know our AMC you go look at the poster his name's on it because that's where I saw it. You know, I didn't know up until I was walking in the theater and the poster was on the outside of the building. I got blinders on when I go to AMC. I don't look at anything. <laughs> Just walk in, get to Just your walk, seat. Do walk in, do my seat. Um. So unless you guys have anything else to add, we're gonna go straight into final scores. Um. I will say that. Uh, that scene where he Elton John was kicking butt and they played, uh, you know, Saturday night. I thought that was well. Any action scene that played that was going on, you know, with music, you know, the beginning of the movie, that scene, and I think there was another one, or with the one with uh, them fighting whiskey. That was like my favorite parts of the whole movie. Like those action scenes were awesome. That, those mean, those definitely upped my grade for me. Was those scenes in my opinion because they were so enjoyable to me. Just to address the, uh, you know, controversy with uh, that specific scene in the movie. We're doing it. I, uh, <laughs> you, you, I mean, it's, people are talking about it, you know? Yeah. You either, you either view it one of two ways. It's something that, you know, super offends you, or it's just, uh, you know, an over-exaggeration and, you know, critique of a spy movie in terms of what happens. I mean, he easily could have put it on the tip of his dick and done that, and that would have been even more... <laughs> even more offensive but you know we got what we got and i i mean i laughed a lot so it was all i'm gonna say you know two consenting adults <laughs> i mean i understand what people are saying you know it, I, I get the whole you know the spy movies you know are always putting women into this you know this sexual part where the men you know the men just sleep with all these women so you know but it's cool you know but if a woman <laughs> does it you know it's dumb i i get that whole argument but you know, in a way, he didn't really want to do it, and she kind of seduced him in a way. So I, I, you know, he was in a relationship, and too they they build on the relationship from the first movie that people complained about. There's a lot more there, and you know, there's a commitment. You know, there's a resolution. Exactly, and he kind of stops himself too in a way, like he doesn't go full on with it. So, and it didn't really show anything. So I, I, I don't see how it was controversial. But, you know, I understand where people are coming from, you know, with spy movies and the whole, like, um, you know, the the ideal of, you know, sleeping with many women is cool. But, you know, if a woman does it, you know, it's not cool. So I get that whole argument. But for this movie, I just think it's it shouldn't be that much of a controversy. Now, I do, in my opinion, think that there should have been a little more diversity in this movie. But that's just me. Halle Berry. Pfft, Halle Berry. <laughs> Can I just say that I really wanted to see Halle Berry kick butt? Because I have been saying it for so long that I think that she yeah. would do good <laughs> in an action movie. And I was, dude, when she said she wanted to go out in the field, I was like, oh, and then nothing happens. So let's hope the third movie, let's hope she does. So Mario. Yeah. Final grade. All right. Like I said, I didn't think it was as, as good as the first one. You know, I thought it was a good sequel. You know, from the first one, from the first Kingsman, but the only thing else I'm going to add uh, from 
what we've talked about is country road take, take me you. home great death scene uh 7.4 out of 10 oh wow that's higher than i th- expected is it just because the fight scenes oh the fight scenes were awesome that they They're brought so me amazing. back into the movie so amazing john kenoki uh you know i'm right around the same grade as mario seven and a half out of ten i i think it's a good sequel not as good as the first one uh but it has promise i just think it fell short in uh some of the key areas a sequel that is going to have a sequel should have improved upon i mean if you go off of uh the george lucas factor he always says the middle one is going to be the weaker of the trilogy yeah empire sucks that that's true only because it's not the beginning or the resolution, but there can be a lot that's done that yeah. can make it live up to the other two. I mean, hey, Chris, your favorite one's Return of the Jedi. Return. So, I mean, Nick's Nick's favorite Lord of the Rings is the Two Towers. I do like the Two Towers. I think that one is. I'm. It's not my favorite out of the three, but I I do think that that one isn't as bad as some people say it is. So just before my similarity Rubicon, John Dever is getting a big pop this year. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but he's been in like four movies this year. Like he was in Alien Covenant. I think he was in Logan. But he's John Dever, man, making a comeback. So with the similarity Rubicon, I think I've already mentioned one. But I feel like this is like a more grown up version of the Spy Kids and which of how ridiculous the gadgets are, how ridiculous the villains are, and how ridiculous the heroes are, and how they just get into ridiculous situations. It's ridiculous, over-the-top fun, and I think that's, that's why I like this movie so much. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think there was only one or two parts which I didn't like, and that it probably had to do with Poppy. Or, and I think in, in part of the ridiculous factor, I uh, picked... Crank and Spaceballs because Spaceballs to me is a bit ridiculous parody, and I uh, oh yeah, Kings- Spaceballs is <laughs> it's it's super ridiculous, ridiculous. super ridiculous, and it's a it's a parody on Star Wars. Just how like fast this forward is a- the movie, <laughs> ludicrous speed, and how this is basically a parody on all the spy movies, Jason Bourne, James Bond, and of course Crank because this movie does get to ridiculous. Uh, lengths of ridiculousness and the the fight scenes and the meat grinder and the just the over the top villains and main characters. I I think this was a solid sequel to the Kingsman, and I hope it does well. I hope it has legs. I hope that we can get a more div- uh, diverse, strong ending to this trilogy because I I enjoyed it, and I think it's one of my favorite. Um, comic series, rec- comic series into a movie recently. So there you have it. This is our Kingsman: The Golden Circle review. Our take on it. Mario gave it a seven point four. Correct. John gave it a seven point five, and I described it, compared it, similarity, Rubiconed it. James Bond, not James Bond, the Spy Kids, Spaceballs, and Crank. <laughs> Guys, do we got any weekly recommends? Duncan. I, uh, I, I don't have anything specifically. I didn't come prepared. I'm sorry. That's okay. Mario. 
So I've been watching this show on Netflix called Manhunt Unabomber. Ooh, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good. Um, I you know it it's all right. Uh, as in the beginning, but it gets way better once you get more immersed into how they catch him and stuff. It the only thing that it takes me out is it, it cut, be prepared for it to go back and forth between timelines. Okay. Um, like Back to the other Future. Other that, it, <laughs> uh, they just they just go from '95 when they catch him to '97 when uh, they need to him to plead guilty, and it, it's and I wish they kind of would just went you know in a straight narrative instead of went back and forth, but it, it's kind of like a cool little. You know, you see, it builds up to them getting him, and it, and it kind of comes full circle then that way when they, you know, by the end of the show. But it's it's surprisingly, I, I you know, like I said, you know, at first I was like, what, you know, what, the, I don't know if I can get into this, but then I, you know, started to get really immersed into it. You know, it's it's a little dramatized, I think, with the uh, main uh, Sam Worthington's character, but uh, it's mostly accurate when I was looking so, stuff up on it. So Chris Hawk has two weekly recommends. I'm putting one up because John didn't have one. So my first weekly recommend is a kind of an oldie. It was about a year ago. Uh, it's Atlanta by Donald Glover. I think it's a very, very well done comedy drama. Dramedy. It's, it features uh, Lakeith Stanford and uh, Donald Glover. And it's a very good story about a rapper, his manager and his friend. And it's I would say it's it's legit. It, it I think it deserves the praise and the Emmys it got. I wouldn't say it's utterly hilarious. It's very amusing. There mm-hmm. is one there is one episode though that had me in stitches the entire time, and it's I think it's episode seven or eight. And you'll you'll you would know when you see it, it how it might be one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. I just got a Hulu back today, and. I saw it was on Hulu, so if you want to watch it off of Chris Hack's Recommend, check out Hulu. Yes, it is on Hulu. And then my other weekly recommend is a anime I just finished called Erased, and it is a pretty phenomenal mystery. That's a fantastic anime. It's, it's phenomenal. It's a mystery time travel-esque anime in which the main character has a condition in which with anything bad happens around him, he can go back the last five minutes to change it, and he ends up going back 18 years to change the past. And that's all you need to know, because oh you gosh. should watch it. It is it is literally one of the best animes I've seen this year. That's um, That was popular for a hot second when it was first coming out. Is it still real popular right now? It's still popular. It's still good. It's not popular. Because I remember when I mean, it first came out, everybody was like, Erased, you gotta watch Erased. It's, That's because it was good. It's really good. Really good mystery. Really good. Now yeah. there's been other good things since then. You know, you gotta keep up with the times. Yeah. Like, don't live it, in the past. It you gotta keep like, up with the times, Mario. You gotta keep it, up with the times. Anime, man. Anime fandom moves real fast through the uh, through the shows move. when they come out. They're like, boom, this is popular. Boom, this is popular. Boom, this is popular now. It's just what people watch. You gotta watch the new thing that's good and talk about it. You don't move away from the old stuff you're just talking about the new stuff because it's relevant the new style mario how can yep. you listen how can you listen to us where to find us um where to find us online if you want to you know check out our updates on our episodes or you know if you want to uh, talk to us or engage with us you know follow us on twitter at cinema 7 underscore podcast or if you want to see some of the cool things we talk about or 
make about our fake posters and all that. We post them on Instagram. Well, we post them on, on you know, Facebook and Twitter as well, but um, we post them first on Instagram. And, you know, Instagram isn't really meant for podcasts. You know, it's more, you know, of a fashion blog type thing. But uh, we're on Instagram at cinema7 underscore podcast. And we're, like I said, we're on Facebook. You can uh, check a lot of stuff on there. We share way more on Facebook um, for sure. So we keep you, we definitely keep you interested on our page, the stuff we share on Facebook. Um, but Twitter, you know, follow us on there for more, more for more like uh, updates and stuff. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, make sure to rate, uh, rate us and review us. Um, that would definitely help us out. Uh, you know, we're on SoundCloud. Um, if you'd rather listen to us there, if you're an Android user and you're listening to us on SoundCloud, check us out on Google Play. Um, we're on Patreon, so uh, we don't have a lot of uh, patrons, but if you want to uh, you know, support the podcast, definitely check us out on Patreon, you know, Cinema7. Uh, check us out on there. We have a whole big description about you know who we are, what we are, some of the things we like, and uh, you know, John wrote that up and you know, we have some cool things if you want to donate and, you know, help out, like I said, support the podcast. You can donate as little as a dollar, like just a dollar once, you know, you know, sometimes I think you can set up for, you know, a dollar a month, but if you want, you can just do it one time and John will name you as a supporter of the podcast on every episode like so. Hey, thanks Mario's mom. Hey, thanks Mario. Hey, thanks myself. Hey, not thanks Chris Hawk because he doesn't support us. What? Is it, yes, he does. It didn't go through this month? No, it hasn't yet. You just signed up last month. Oh. He's future Chris Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> so future Chris Hawk uh, supports us. And you can also uh, look up Chris Hawk on Twitter at, at future Chris Hawk. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, there's other tiers on on uh, Patreon we got going on. You know, uh, we, the three of us and some others that have helped out with the podcast, they have Cinema 7 t-shirts. Um, if you so give us $20, we will send you a cinema seven t-shirt, um, $5. It's a sticker. And we've been, we have a bunch of those. We are handing them out at, uh, Tidewater Comic-Con here in Virginia beach. And we're going to be handing them out, um, probably at NecoCon here in, uh, is it in Hampton, Hampton, Virginia? No, it's, it's here, isn't it? I thought it was, uh, I think it's in Hampton. But okay. it doesn't matter. That if you know what it is, you'll be there. Yeah, yeah. If you know what Necrocon you know is, is, you'll be there. And uh, that's all I got. Also, we want to thank our friends at Fireside Comics. Go listen to our Defenders episode where me and Mario and Chris Poole talk about the Defenders. Also, go check out our friends Amusement Sparks, where in November me and John were on an episode together. You guys could look forward to that. Those are both great episodes. Oh, and. Uh, look for Cinema 7 at New York Comic Con. John Kanoki and I, Mario B, will be at New York Comic Con. So look for us. We'll be in our shirts on Friday. Saturday, we'll just be hanging out. But Cinema 7 will be at New York Comic Con. And with that, at Cinema 7, we want to thank you always for watching with us. We want to thank you for listening with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us. Mm-hmm.